When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Analyst Inside Cricket with me, Simon Hughes, and you, Simon Mann. And, well, I suppose we're reflecting this week on another damp week in the county championship with only one decisive result. Uh, some remarkable individual performances, including that amazing innings by Darren Stevens of 190 out of about 300 for Kent, putting on... Uh, 100 partnerships where the, the, the other person scored only about one run out of it. So that was an incredible game, but it didn't result in, in victory for Kent. And uh, we, we'll talk about the county championship a bit, but we're actually focusing today on a man who actually won't be playing in the first test in just over a week's time against New Zealand, Ben Stokes. But I've had some time with him up north filming for our World Cup documentary and I've done an interview with him as well just to hear how he feels because he's coming up to his 30th birthday and the Cricketer magazine, which is out this week, has a big feature all about Stokes at 30 and how he compares with the other great all-rounders of the last 40 or 50 years from England. And you've read it, Simon, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, very, very, very interesting. And you know, lots of statistical information in there as well. The sort of comparison between Stokes and England's other three top all-rounders in the last, what, 50 years, Greg Flintoff and Ian Botham. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Coming up to 30, Yoz, eh? How, goodness me, that, that really is ancient, isn't it? Well, what were you doing? What what were you doing on your thirtieth birthday? Can you remember? Were you, were you, what what time of the year is your birthday? I'm just trying to remember. Well, it's December actually. So oh right, so I you wouldn't have been playing cricket. Lot. You wouldn't no, have been, been driving a lorry cricket. or something. Really. I just about. I think it was just before I went down the crest to run and broke my collarbone, <laughs> uh, and so that ruled me out of the season for about three months. So my Christmas birthday present to myself, thirtieth birthday present to myself, was taking a ridiculous risk and going down the crest to run, breaking my collarbone, and basically sort of. Terminating my career with Middlesex, so it wasn't a good time. Uh, well, well, but a life lesson there. Be, be careful as you get close to your thirtieth birthday. You're not invincible. You think you are, don't you? Uh, when you're younger. Now we we uh, selected our England squad last week, or we we selected what we thought was going to be the England squad, and 
we were actually bang on, which is not, it wasn't that remarkable because to me, it was one of the most sort of obvious squads that you could, you could pick. It was fairly obvious that Robinson and Bracey uh, were sort of, you know, on the fringe and ready to be selected with so many players missing. And they basically gone for, for the players they had sort of available. I mean, there are lots of people performing well in the, in the county championship, uh, you know, bowlers doing well. And Darren Stevens, as you say, still going at, at 45. Uh, I mean, his stats are, are, are remarkable. But I mean, I think that the players they went for were the ones we expected. And now, of course, the, the task is going to be to try to, to find 11 out of those 15 and the difficulty of, of balancing uh, the team, which is something we highlighted next week. Anyway, that's that's for the selectors to decide or, or the, the England coaching staff and, and, the, and the captain with the selection staff whittled down now. Of course, the, the man who does balance it is, is Ben Stokes. Now, you, you've been with him uh, this week. Um, just, well, just tell us what you've been doing. What, well, what sort we, of arty we, shots have you come up with? Well, yes, and lots of arty shots, lots of drones uh, flying over uh, Chesterley Street um, with Stokes in, in the middle kind of doing some shadow batting. Of course, he can't actually do any hitting at the moment because of his injured finger, which... Uh, I've had a look at and it was examined uh, by a specialist actually while we were there and he's uh, very uh, confident of the progress. He had to actually have a pin put into his broken index finger on his left hand and have it kind of re reconstructed because the, the catch he took in an IPL game hit him right on the end. So it really did damage it quite badly and it looks a bit bit of a mess. He still can't grip the bat at the moment but he started bowling uh, this week, actually in Durham, and he, he's interestingly, you know, he hasn't done a lot of of fitness uh, for for a few weeks, just because I think he he felt he needed a bit of a break uh, in a way, and he feels kind of quite refreshed actually, which is which is nice to see. Yeah, we had some arty shots of him looking quite moody in his gym. He's got a, a big house in the village of Castle Eden, which is about I suppose ten miles from Durham, beautiful area, and uh, he's got a big house with uh, with a gym sort of and like an annex. With, of course, the inevitable golf simulator in it, mm. with this massive big white screen on the wall and a, a little tee, and you, you whack the ball off the tee into the screen, and obviously it animates into whatever golf course you dream of playing. Uh, and he hasn't been able to play golf either because of his finger, so so that's redundant at the moment. But he's got all those weights in there and everything, so we did some quite nice sort of moody shots of him uh, getting ready to, to, to do a workout in his gym and actually met his wife as well, Claire, who has been an incredible support to him over the last, um, you know, 10 years or so. And is just a wonderful character, actually, who's just a very homely, sensible, warm and, you know, very supportive person, which I'm sure has been a huge help to him. It sounds to me as if you didn't or you weren't able to take up my suggestion of, of taking up to the taking him up to the angel of the north and getting him to spread his arms wide, sort of you know in in the in the lee of it. It might, might, would have been nice that, but with limited time and about eight camera crew, and actually, not also one of the things about filming somebody like him is you don't want to draw too much attention. You know, if you're in a public space of some mm. kind, it's just you know people get in the way and and all that. Mm. So it's better to try and film in locations which are sort of secluded in some way. So actually his, uh, the, the Chesterley Street and then his home was an ideal location. And uh, it, it's great, actually. He's got a bar. He's built a bar in his house um, with the uh, World Cup shirt with all its dirt still on it from the dive he made, of course, to accidentally ricochet the ball for four overthrows. 
uh, still the dirt is still there and it's all framed up on the wall. It looks very impressive. Now, you've been speaking to him as well. Let, 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 let's hear from him because you, you asked him that you know, he's coming up to 30. How does he look back on, on what he's achieved so far? I think 30 is still young, so I think um, thinking about looking back on things like that probably will come at a later date when I'm retired and stuff like that. Um, I think whilst you're still playing and still active in you know, sport, it's all about what's, what's coming next. So, I mean, you must be very proud. I mean, if you stop to think, you've had nearly 10 years as an international cricketer and, you know, the things you've achieved at the age of 30 is the sort of things that most people don't achieve by the time they're 60. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's people... I mean, it is another way of looking at it, yeah, and obviously, I, you know, I do um, look back on memories already and, you know, proud of them and... Um, We'll never lose sight of that, but you know I've still got. I feel as if I've still got a lot more to offer to the um, to the sport. So um, looking back now already, I think is probably a little bit too premature, if I'm being honest. I've compared your career to Ian Botham. I mean, not from a sort of performance point of view so much, but one or two stats. And Beefy's uh, bowling average certainly at 30 was sort of on its way down. Your batting average is on its way up. Is that consistent with what's happening in your in your head? Do you think? Uh, and can you put your finger on why that might be? Um, uh, I think I've never been one to be obsessed around stats or anything like that, and maybe that's something to do with it. Like the fact that I'm not too bothered about at the end of each year going, "Oh, what's my average with the ball? What's my average with the bat? Just what you know? How do I get better? How can I get better?" Is there's a reason for that. And how can you get better? Uh, just keep working as hard as, as I always do. Um, if not, find ways to, to work harder, find ways to get better constantly. Have you made a slight adjustment to the, the grip, um, mm. to, to the way you hold the bat? Yeah. And what's, what is that and how has that affected you? Uh, I've just opened up, sort of got a more open bat face. Um, you know, I used to have a very, very closed bat face, which um, you know had had its benefits. But um, I feel as if now, sort of working on keeping my bat face a little bit more open than you know I, I have done over the years has um, you know enhanced what I can do in terms of manipulating the ball, especially. Does it also help you? I know that you talked a bit. I know you've talked a fair bit, or he's talked to you to Zubin from the Royals about. You know things like that. Um, is it is that helping you hit the ball further as well? Perhaps. Um, I'll say, oh, so, sorry. Uh, I would say that it's you know it's just more consistent now um, with the way that the bat comes down, the bat face, everything like that. It's um, uh, it was you know quite alien to start because it was you know it was actually quite a big change, but it didn't take me too long to to get comfortable and get used to how um, holding the bat differently felt in my hands. That's quite a big thing to do, though, isn't it? Mm. Changing your bat. Yeah, yeah, it is. But as I say, like, just always looking to develop and see what I can do to to make me a better player. I suppose, in a way, the one thing about your finger injury is it's actually given you some time off. Has it mm. been a blessing in disguise, in a way? <laughs> it has. Um, I've actually people probably be surprised, but I haven't stepped foot into a gym. I haven't even thought about cricket for about four weeks, and I've absolutely loved it. Um, which probably a sign that I needed it. 
and I think that's probably on the back of all the of the way that the world is at the moment with sport for the bio bubbles and um, you know the the effect that COVID has had on our sport and, and our job. You know, I'm not taking anything away from anyone who's got bigger problems, but just sort of labelling that to, to how COVID has affected us and um, how it's not just the physical, not just the physical well-being that people are looking after. It's also the men- mental side of sport as well. So in a way, it's it's going to bring you back refreshed, is it? Do you think? I uh, hope so, um, but yeah, as I said, you know, I've just absolutely loved just sort of chilling out for a month and not having to worry about when I need to be fit for or when I need to be fit to play a game because I've just been back home and doing what needs to be done um, as a husband and as a dad. Bit, bit of DIY? No DIY, no. No, I'm not quite at that level yet. And Call of Duty still play a part? Yes, a lot. It's... Um, not as much because uh, I get shouted at for spending too long on it in the evening, but I still get on every now and again. And what are you doing for your birthday? Surprise, actually. It's my 30th, so it's quite a big one. So my wife's got a few things planned, which I'm not 100% sure of what's going on yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So that birthday's on the 4th of June, which is the, the Friday of the Test match. I guess he won't be at Lords uh, watching <laughs> his England colleagues play against uh, New Zealand. But w- what's the prognosis in terms of when he's going to come back and play yours? W- w- what's your sense of, of when he's going to be fit again? He's hoping to play in the Vitality Blast for Durham in the second week of June. They have a match June the 11th, uh, Yorkshire at Chester Street. And that's a sort of maybe a slightly optimistic target but he's aiming for that and I think it'll just depend how sensitive his finger is because although it's not um you know it's it's his bottom hand the left hand uh, you know and and I suppose in the blast you're not as likely to be hit on your fingers as you would be perhaps in a four-day game or a test match but you've still got to do the fielding and that's mm. when it's vulnerable more than anything. So uh, I, he's just going to have to be a little bit careful. And, and actually, he's, he's now got big, fat index fingers on both hands because he broke the other one in 2011. And he was quite funny, actually, about... We said, how did you break your other one? And he said, oh, I think, I, I think it, got a, it made contact with a locker somewhere. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he's had a few <laughs> issues with his yeah. hands and fingers, some of it self-inflicted. Yeah. One thing he said in the interview there was that he, he you know, he, he's really enjoyed the, the break, mm. you know, having a, a month without sort of looking at cricket or even doing you know, much fitness yeah. work. Of course, he's a, a, a manic trainer, has been a manic trainer. And your, your article in The Cricketer you know, talks about you know, when Trevor Bayliss sort of told him to, to slow down a bit. And I can remember being in Sri Lanka when he, you know, he'd come back from the, the ground and go straight to the gym. And you know, there's the feeling you know, it's, it's almost too much. And you, you know, you have, OK, you have to be super fit to play international sport. Um, well, it, it helps. Uh, and yet he had to just scale it down a bit. But he's, he's not played or not, not been involved for a, for a month. And actually, it, it shows probably how much the bubble has, has sort of taken out of players because, of course, he wasn't there for five months for England, was he? He, he didn't play in uh, the end of, that, end of the summer because of his, the illness to his dad. And then he joined England late in the, the subcontinental talks. He, did, he didn't play in Sri Lanka. So, you know, relatively speaking, he's, he's not had much cricket, but he's also sort of relished the break. And I suppose with what's to come... It's 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 really useful to have that time away from the game. I mean, I know as bowlers you need to keep ticking over, ticking over each each week and each each month. But there's so much big cricket to come for England uh, in in the next well seven months. India and then the 
World Cup and then the Ashes, that it, it's a, in a strange way, it's a bit, I saw a comment from uh, Jurgen Klopp this morning talking about uh, Jordan Henderson, who's, who's not played, but he said, you know, he's, he's in training, he's, you know, he's, he's back fit again. In a way, you think about England playing in the, the European Championship, you know, he's as, he's as fresh as anyone. You think of all the, the you know, Premier League season takes out of a player, but Jordan Henderson, who's, who's not played much this season, you know, is, is, ready to, is ready to play. And I suppose there's, there's sort of similarities. Not, it's not quite a like-for-like comparison with Stokes, but there are similarities there that in a way, I mean, does, does not playing help you when you get to play? When, it, I, you know, I, when it's time I, to play I, again? I absolutely think it does. Uh, I think it, it regains your love of the game in a way. And instead of it becoming a bit of a, not a chore exactly, but... You know, at times a bit routine, especially the, the triple format players who, who barely get any time off. I think sometimes you do need a break just to refresh your mind and body. And, and actually, he says, as he said in the interview there, he hasn't done any training. I'm still, obviously, mm. incredibly fit. Uh, but, but he's actually scaled back on things like the, the weight building stuff. He's got this massive um, set of dumbbells and a big you know, bar with huge weights on it, which probably I couldn't even roll, never mind lift. And he doesn't do that too much anymore. Uh, it's almost just there for show, you know. He thinks it's more important to be to, to work on flexibility, and that's where you've probably seen someone like Jimmy Anderson focus much more in the last few years on, you know, just the, the suppleness of your muscles rather than the, the size of them, really. And I, I think just also reflecting on what he wants to achieve and thinking about how to improve... In, in various different ways. That's where I think there's a distinction between him, both and Flintoff and Greg, uh, who are the other three all-rounders that we've mentioned today and I feature in this article in The Cricketer, and looking at their relative stats at the age of 30. And it's just really interesting that, that Botham's bowling average basically kept going up from the age of about 22, you know, he, he was taking his wickets at 18 early on and was the fastest to a thousand runs and a hundred wickets in tests, taking only 21 tests. And at the time, his bowling average was 18 and his batting average was 40. But both of those went in the opposite direction from then on. And by the time he got to uh, the age of 30, his bowling average was around about 27, 28, and it was kept, it kept going up because uh, he lost that real potent edge he was still a very good bowler but he didn't have that waspish late swing and so on he wasn't as fit clearly when he was 30 as when he was 20 and the same is true to a lesser extent of Flintoff as well um, his bowling average never really dipped much below 32 and sort of gradually edged up uh, over time and, and and his batting average never really changed either but um, Stokes his batting average noticeably has really increased from a, a a low of 32 about two or three years ago to now climbing into the sort of high 30s, head, heading towards 40. And, you know, as he was saying in the interview, he's always trying to improve. And if you can stay fit um, and you are yeah. maybe primarily a batting all-rounder, then there's every chance that, that you can have a very fruitful career in your 30s. Yeah, I mean, this, that's an interesting thing, isn't it, about 30 being a master. And, I, I, you know, I remember when I was growing up, just to use the football analogy again, when, when you became, when, you know, when you got to 30 as a footballer, so that was, that was not the end, but it was really, the, it was, you know, 
certainly the beginning of the end. And you know, you, some of the big teams would look to get rid of their players who were, you know, coming up to thirty. And now, now things have changed a bit. Their diets and fitness training and and all sorts of things. And rest, you know, some of course, the, the, as well. I mean, they're they're and, allowed and, to have a bit of rest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, that, so it's just, but thirty does feel a sort of bit of a. Uh, it still feels a bit of a milestone, and I think one of the really interesting things is, is that Ian Botham played seventy-seven percent of his Test matches before the age of thirty, and Tony Gregg played eighty-one percent of his Test matches before the age of thirty, and Andrew Flintoff played eighty-five percent of his Test matches before the age of thirty. So, so but Stokes, we feel, might be something might be completely different because he's so much fitter and stronger that if he keeps getting his finger injuries obviously that will you know undermine him a bit so he's played what, what does he play now 71 test matches so how many more test matches can he play as an, as an all-rounder almost to buck the trend or do you think we talk about him being an all-rounder that actually as time goes on and the more he gets into his 30s it will be the batting that really uh, takes over and that he'll only be, he'll become an occasional bowler perhaps and well into his 30s perhaps not a bowler at all Look, I, I think he can play a lot of test matches in his 30s. A lot depends really on how much he wants to play. And uh, he's one of those people who is constantly seeking to improve either fitness or technique. Uh, it's been interesting to see uh, the, the adjustment in his batting, actually, because uh, this was something that was originally uh, an issue that was, was raised by a number of coaches, not least Zubin Barasha from the Rajasthan Royals, who's a real sort of deep analyzer of analyst of, of, of batting technique and I said to him for years open the face a bit more change your grip because your your grips a little bit closed and that causes you to uh, almost choke the face is what you call it sort of so you're not hitting it with a full face some of the time you're hitting it with a slightly closed face and that uh, in definitely impacts on timing and it actually funnily enough impacts on distance as well when you're trying to hit sixes if you think of someone like Butler, for instance, when Butler hits a six, the face of the bat is slightly open, almost a bit like a slice in uh, in golf, but not quite as much as that. And it does seem to get the the ball almost as if you're getting a bit of backspin on the ball, like a chop shot in, in tennis. Uh, and that makes the ball fly further. And Stokes watched uh, the distance that MS Dhoni was able to hit the ball. Uh, again, he has that... Just the, the grip is slightly more open or allows the bat face to be slightly more open. And it does mean that the, the ball can be hit greater distances. And I think one of the things Stokes has found is that he, when he tries to hit the ball a long way, it actually doesn't go as far as he wants it to. Mm. He doesn't hit massive sixes until recently. If you think of the... the, the I, I think his six hitting, which, I mean, there was, of course, that amazing innings in Cape Town when he scored that 258 and there was a lot of sixes that mm. day. But um, the, the, the sixes he's hit against the Indians in those one-day series. Remember when Bearstow and he totally destroyed the Indian spinners in one of those one-dayers in Ahmedabad, I think, in the, in the winter. Um, that, that was using his new method, which allows him also to manipulate the ball better on the offside. And it's quite a big step for a batsman to change your grip you know, it really is. It's, it's. I don't know, it's it's like, um, I suppose, a footballer, you know, almost deciding to kick it with the other foot or something. I mean, it would take a free kick with the other foot or something almost. But um, it, it's just something that, that they don't find easy, batsmen, to 
uh, to, to do. And funnily enough, I was talking to Joe Root about it the next day because we filmed with Joe Root the day after Stokes. And I was talking to him about grips on the bat. And, of course, he's someone who's always tinkering as well with his technique and mm. method and he's sort of slightly changed his trigger movements and all that. But he thinks that opening the face has been a help to Stokes. And he went back to um, those sixes that Carlos Brathwaite hit in the uh, T20 final in Calcutta and how one of them, although he tried to do it over long on, because he had a slightly open face, it soared over long off the six. And it just gives you a bit more range in all formats, really, if you have a slightly more open face. So Stokes the batsman, you know, in terms of longevity, I mean, that's, there's no question mark over that, is there really? Because of his, his fitness as well. I mean, you know, that was something that you know, came to, to plague uh, Andrew Flintoff, of course. You know, he, he, he had fitness problems and also you know, both of them you know, kept on playing. But, you know, the body was sort of tugging him back. Mm. Tony, Tony Gregg was a bit different, of course, because uh, World Series cricket intervened. And you know, so, he, he, you know, he went in a, in a completely different direction. And there wasn't, you know, there wasn't as much international cricket in, in the day that he was playing. But you know, now there is, there is loads of it. And actually, just that comparison between Stokes and Botham. Actually, Ben Stokes has, has already played more white ball cricket for England than Ian Botham played in his career. Botham played, uh, was it 118 one-day internationals? And Stokes has already played 98 plus 34 T20 internationals. I suppose it's the bowling, isn't it? It's, it's really that sort of all-rounder uh, mm. uh, status. Uh, mm. You know, the, what, what will one take over from the other? What, what's Stokes on? 163 test match wickets. Flintoff finished with 226 uh, Greg was in the low 140s, and Ian Botham, we know, you know, went on, yeah, had that, uh, re- I mean, remarkable career, uh, 14 test hundreds mm. and 383 wickets. But I suppose it's, it's the yeah. bowling, really, isn't it, with, with Ben Stokes? How, how much longevity is there in his bowling? Yeah, it's a good question. Again, it's how much he wants to bowl, really. Uh, I think, you know, he's better off being used as a, a shock bowler rather than a stop bowler, but he's a very handy person to have in the lineup. And the other thing about him is he's he's a restless individual, uh, so he wants to bowl because it keeps yeah. him involved in the game. Um, he's it's not boring. It can be boring, who, can't it? Fielding. Well, fielding. yeah. I mean, he's not one of those guys who just wants to stand at slip all day. He does want to be involved in the action. And I suppose it goes back to what Trevor Bayliss said to him two or three years ago: just sort of scale back on your intensity a bit in training, and that'll give you the scope to a perform better in the middle and also have a longer career. And I suppose that that applies to his involvement in the game as well. He does want to get hold of the ball and bowl these long spells and get into a, into the rhythm of it. Um, but he might just have to control that a bit because it will be a damn shame if an, a bowling injury, a back injury or a knee injury or something like that, means he can't play because his batting is going to be... He's, he's, he's now got 10 test hundreds, so he's behind... Beefy at the moment, who, who, as you say, made 14. But he's going to get 20 test hundreds, isn't he? he he's got to, because he's, he's that good, and he's going to bat at number four or five. So he's got the potential to, to get up into the, almost into the sort of Peterson ranks as uh, for test hundreds, I'd say. Mm. Uh, but that just make, he's just got to make sure he looks after his body and doesn't try and bowl too much, I would say. Yeah, people say, oh... 
Ben Stokes, I've heard people say this, you know, Ben Stokes, I mean, how, how good is he? His, bat, his test batting average is 37. That's not particular. That's not, you know, that's not great. His, his bowling average is, is 31. So in the low 30s, you know, that doesn't compare with some of the, you know, the, the top class bowlers. But it's, it's about putting them together, putting those two figures together. And what it, and the, the mark of an all-rounder is having a, a batting average that is a, above your bowling average. So it's worth just having a quick quick comparison. You've done that in the Cricketer Magazine article, actually, about you know those, those four, Greg, Flintoff, Stokes and Botham, about who, who's got sort of the highest percentage point in terms of point, points in terms of differential between their batting average and their bowling average. And actually, I was slightly surprised by this, but Tony Gregg actually has the better... Has, you know, has the best differential of all of them, eight eight point two three compared to Stokes. That uh, is plus eight point two three. Stokes is plus five point six six. Both of them is plus five point one four, and Flintoff is minus naught point nine eight, which means his 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 batting average of slightly below his bowling average. I mean, that's that'll really sli- annoy him. That'll really annoy him actually, because <laughs> yeah. he always wanted to. He always saw himself as a batting all rounder, but sadly, that's not the yeah. case. Yeah, and and you you know you can do sort of anything with statistics, and it's it's slightly simplistic in a way because sometimes you you also got to look look at sort of match winning performances and decisive moments in games and 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 series, and of course in a way I think that's where Ian Botham stood out, didn't he? Because I mean he he won a series on his own, although you know some some would argue that so so did Flintoff in in two thousand and five, although he did have a a bit of help from friends, didn't he? Uh, Flintoff <laughs> in two thousand and five, and you know Stokes is you think of Stokes is the two sort of test match performances from from Ben Stokes that really stand out in my mind. You mentioned one of them, which was Cape Town. Uh, England didn't win the game, and actually, they bizarrely they was at one point on the final day they were sort of in, in possible danger of losing it in, in what was a remarkable game. But I mean, that innings was just unbelievable. I mean, anyone who was there that day in Cape Town witnessed that. I mean, it was just incredible that that partnership between him and, and Bairstow that sort of nearly top four hundred, and then of course Headingley. Uh, but mm. the, the thing about Headingley was, of course, England didn't win the Ashes, did they? They, they went on to, to lose the next Test match. So it's not, not that it's lost. It'll be one of those great days of, of Test cricket. And again, anyone who's there will remember it for the for the rest of their mm. lives. So, you know, it, it, you, there, there are all sorts of factors that, that come into play. So so for you, if you compare them all, and, it, and it's in, in a way it's a bit unfair on Stokes because... He hasn't finished yet. We don't know what he is going to achieve, what he's capable of, of doing. And the other three, of course, have finished. What, how, how would you sort of assess them? And who, who would you say, mm. you know, if you were picking a... You only could only have one of them in a, in a, in a test match team. Um, who would you go for? Bear well, in mind that Craig has got the best differential. Yeah. Uh, Flintoff, Flintoff's had his great moments. Both of them had so many great moments, but sort of really, really tailed off towards the end. And Stokes has got this sort of rising, rising consistency. What what's interesting is that they don't have similar win ratios actually, and of course, uh, you know the win ratio, i.e., the number of matches they played in which their team won, England, mm. uh, it isn't necessarily just their fault, is it, or their doing? No, of course, no. Obviously, you've got ten other players, but yeah. it, it's it's interesting just to see that. And Stokes actually has the best win ratio of all of them. Forty three percent of the matches he's played in England have won. Uh, whereas actually Botham is is sort of mid thirties, and and Greg is Greg is the lowest. He's twenty nine percent, and Flintoff's thirty seven. Uh, so so it goes Stokes forty five, Flintoff thirty seven, Botham thirty three, and Greg twenty nine percent or something. But it's, it's forty three. It's forty three Stokes, thirty two Botham, thirty seven Flintoff, twenty nine Greg. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, Botham, of course, as you mentioned, won series on his own, but also didn't have that much impact against, say, the West Indies, who were the the all-conquering team of the time. And England did struggle at times through the 80s because of better teams around and being uh, slightly kind of uh, ravaged by rebel tours, denying them good players who, who went off and played in South Africa instead, for instance. So... You know, in a way, it's a bit unfair, I suppose, on both of them to say his win ratio was only thirty-two percent. But also, yours. Also, and, and one it, other point. One other point, yours, because he didn't have yeah. central contracts to protect him either, did he? Whereas Ben yeah, Stokes true. does have central. So, so Both will be playing in a Test match, and then he go off and play for his county. You know, then <laughs> sometimes the next day. I mean, I, I, I to, to to answer your question, I, I've obviously watched three of them closely and played with one. Um, Tony Gregg was was a very uh, innovative batsman, very, very courageous, brave batsman who took on Lillian Thompson, uh, and and was a good, you know a damn good player. Um, I thought his bowling was only effective occasionally, really. Um, so he was very much a, a batting all rounder. Yeah, um, and he didn't have a big impact on lots of matches. You know, he 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 was a consistent player, but he wasn't sort of he didn't just take the game by the scruff of the neck too often. Um, Flintoff obviously did, but his batting to me was quite inconsistent and his batting was at times looked pretty shoddy, actually, if he was against good spinners, for instance. I mean, he, could, he was op- totally hopeless against Murali, who was his big mate, and not that good against Warren. I know these two guys were great bowlers, but um, he, he, you know, against a good bowling attack, he could look a bit shaky. Uh, Botham's record is is amazing. Um, you know those three hundred and eighty three Test wickets and fourteen Test hundreds to make fourteen Test hundreds, most of them in sort of assault mode. To go with a, a, a man who is actually mainly a frontline fast bowler is is remarkable. And Stokes, I think his career is on the way up. So who would I choose? I think, to be honest, I think for a fifty over one day international, I would choose Stokes out of all of them because his batting is so versatile and obviously as we saw from the world cup um he's just got that that winning head on he can manipulate a game and and win it as well and then he's got the bowling and that incredible fielding to to add to it so definitely 50 over cricket out of stokes out of all of them for the test matches if if botham was in his pomp with that waspish late swing and you know kind of rumbustious batting and pouching brilliant catches at slip I'd still have both of them in his pomp but I think Stokes in the end may well be a more well a more productive test cricketer maybe not a more successful one yeah I mean I mean I would say definitely peak both them for me I mean I think yeah peak both them was just such a yeah, fantastic cricketer and, and Stokes is you know he's incredibly beguiling as well as a as a cricketer just imagine uh, Ian Botham with Ben Stokes's devotion uh, to fitness and, yeah. and, and training. I mean, it, it would. Well, then be, it wouldn't uh, be as much mar- fun, would it? <laughs> well, <laughs> then it, well, that's I mean, it. The the is, yeah. And also, he, I, he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't um, quite have quite the impact on the opposition uh, that that um, that Beefy had. Uh, well, because as we had Alan Lamb, didn't we, on the in the Virtual mm. Cricket Club a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about Botham and 
you know, going out with members of the opposition and, you know, kind of leaving them for dead, like, like during the night sort of thing. Uh, so he he definitely had a, a an amazing impact. And he had an aura, didn't he, both of them as well, which I'm sure Stokes is Well, that's developing. it. Doesn't Stokes has it as well? Don't you think Stokes has that as well? I mean, um, when I, he... Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, not, I, I not... guess so, but... Perhaps not to the same extent, but I mean, I think he, I think he has it. Uh, that, that you know, there's that intimidating sort of uh, presence. But you know, he he can mm. make things happen uh, with with the bat and, and the ball. I mean, when, you know, when he, when he wasn't there in the last Ashes series in Australia, I, I mean, it, it really did feel as if England. You talk about you know all rounders and the, the the two disciplines, but to me, I mean, I've said it at the time, and it felt like they were sort of losing about five different things, which was the bowler, the batsman, the fielder, but the aggressor and the balancer. You know, there was so much missing as a result of not having him in the side. And I, I think, you yeah. know, he is capable of having that. It's sort of in, it's, he is capable of intimidating an opposition. I mean, but I mean, it, it, for those who, you know, who listening to this didn't see him both and play, I mean, he, he was sort of, in, he was capable of just somehow getting wickets with, you know, awful deliveries. He was sort of, he, he, he sort of coaxed batsmen out in a way that, you know, mo- most people would just, I mean, if you bowled that ball, Yoz, it would disappear into the grandstand, wouldn't you? But if yeah. he and both and bowled it, it would go, it would get, he pulled straight to square leg, you know, yeah. and he'd get a cheap it, wicket. You know, he, he had a, he had a hold over people. No, I remember him getting Viv Richards out, his great mate out in one mm. in a county game once, playing for Durham against Glamorgan. He was bowling these sort of medium pace lollipops, and mm. Viv was terrified to get out to him, mm. and would, would barely played a shot against him, and then sort of played a, a rather tentative poke at one ball, which stopped a bit on the pitch, and he got a leading edge, and he was caught and bowled. Beefy kind of diving full length to pick it one handed off the ground, and that was probably one of his highlights of his career, actually getting getting his mate Viv out like that, but. Uh, he just conjured wickets and, and also uh, with the bat as well. He could just miraculously haul a game from a no-hope position into a, a strong and winning position. So uh, he had the Midas touch, I think, which in a way he had just from sort of pure self-belief and talent, whereas Stokes has got this sort of will, hasn't he? He's got this iron will, this indomitability. He talks about... Um, in, in our documentary, actually, he talks about the impact of his dad and Jed and, and how, as a coach, you know, he just never let the players go home at night uh, yeah. until they'd perfected their routines and things. So, uh, you know, he's got that, right, I've got to get this game and I've got to win it and I've got to improve. And, I've you know, he's just so determined to uh, achieve the maximum out of his ability. Where... where um... Where has he sort of got to improve in terms of, uh, you know, you, talk, you talked about his batting earlier and his batting record. In India away, is that still somewhere where yeah, he's, he's sort of done okay-ish? He has got 100 in India, got one in Rajkot in the first test innings he, he played in India. Since then, he's averaged uh, 24. Is, is spin an area of his game? You know, when it, when, you know, when it's challenging spin, I don't mean just playing against spin bowlers. I mean, when when the ball is turning, is that an area that is, that has... Been a problem for him, do you think? Definitely. And I wouldn't say a problem, but I mean, it's an area that he can improve on. And the man to look at for that is Joe Root, uh, who's the greatest um, advocate of Stokes. I mean, he loves Ben. He just they're, they're so close as sort of teammates and friends and um, confidants. And Joe loves Ben's sort of dedication. And, uh, you know, he said that that's the thing that kind of he needs to improve a bit is 
or not improve, but just work on, is is kind of manipulating the ball, rotating the strike, not, not getting stuck down one end, which he is inclined to, because he hasn't got that lightness of touch, which Root has, uh, where you can just steer the ball into a little gap and get off strike against spin, which can be so oppressive. But against other all other bowling, I mean, what I really liked about Stokes is the way he's adaptable. So, uh, you know, we know his ability against fast bowling is, is excellent, and he made that 100 in his second test in Perth when mm. Mitchell Johnson was terrorising everyone, and he proved his ability against pace there. And then, you know, when he's been confronted with bowlers like Vernon Philander, he's been prepared to walk up the pitch and try and get closer to the length and just try and upset the bowler's rhythms and things like that. So, uh, you know, he is immensely versatile and always trying to find a way to, to get on get on top as a batsman and improve. And he, he just, you know, he just bats in the nets for, for, for so long as well. He will... He will be in there for hours practicing because he loves it, and you know compare that to Botham, who wanted to go in the bat nets and have a bit of a slog, and then go and sort of mm. have a laugh, uh, you know, on the sidelines. I mean, he didn't really apply himself to to, to perfecting his batting, um, and he probably, if he had, but you know, it was a different era then. But if he had, he would probably have made he would have made twenty Test hundreds as well. Mm. Yeah, well, he, he yeah he had a lot of talent, didn't he? Uh, Right, so the test series uh, that, that Ben Stokes is focusing on really is the well is the is the India series that that comes up uh, starting in August. At least we think it's starting in August. I mean, there was the the talk this week of trying to sort of bring the season, the international season, forward a little bit because of the you know, try to complete the IPL. I know you said the last time uh, we spoke, uh, Yoz, that you you could see the IPL not taking place, but I mean, they're, they're, you know, it seems as if the I changing the BC- every week, isn't it? Well, the BCCI, you know, made a request. You know, can can we bring forward the test series or perhaps take the last test and play it first or something or whatever? I don't know, but I mean, it's so it's so difficult isn't it it's mm. trying to squeeze it all in there's so much international cricket and that but they're going to lose hundreds of millions of dollars for not playing the IPL and you can see why they they want to play it so whether they can find some sort of accommodation uh, remains to be seen so you know but Stokes fit for the first test I mean that that presumably is the is the England plan and then it's all systems go uh, that that series well possibly IPL again world T20 World Cup and then and then the Ashes. I mean, it's it's a going to be really challenging uh, second part of the year. You know, he's going to be past thirty there. They are going to they are going to need him to be uh, peak Stokes, aren't they? They aren't going to need him super fit and and, and ready if England are to yeah you know, do anything really in the in the next sort of five six months cricket. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, talking of India, by the way, um, we've got uh, an Indian guest on our virtual cricket club this week, um, Sunny Gavaskar has agreed to be our guest on Wednesday night, an early start, 5.30pm. Uh, and you can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com. Uh, so Sonny is joining us uh, to talk about the, the India series in prospect and maybe the IPL as well. Uh, so hope you can join us for that. It's in aid, of course, of the Cricketers' Trust, the Professional Cricketers' Trust, uh, which uh, we're supporting uh, with this uh, particular club. Uh, it's a £6 a month joining fee, but you do get four live events for that and also plenty of other uh, useful perks as well. So worldsbestcricketclub.com. And also that Cricketer magazine I mentioned uh, is out this week. You can subscribe to the Cricketer magazine by going to thecricketer.com slash 
subscribe. The magazine's out this week and there's lots of great features in there as well. Uh, and the cover is Stokes at 30. So I hope you can join us for the Virtual Cricket Club this Wednesday night. And we'll be back this time next week for another podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Yep, Test Cricket is back and it looks as if the rain is going to relent at last. What a dreadful May it's been. Lovely April, dreadful May. But the, the signs are good for decent weather for the next few days or back end of the week. Let's hope it lasts into that first Test match against New Zealand at Lords. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.